listening to the Women's Online Wellness Podcast, a podcast all about your health and wellness issues that affect you every day. We want to educate, entertain, and maybe make you giggle a little along the way. No annoying statistics or jargon here, just information you can use every day to be healthier, happier, and less boring. All right, here's your host, OBGYN Dr. Ron Eaker. Hey everybody, Dr. Ron Eaker here and welcome to another edition of Women's Wellness Podcast where we try to provide you practical, fun information but do it in a way that maybe makes you giggle just a little bit. And the title of this hopefully piqued your interest because this is really a fascinating topic that might might spill over into the nerdy category for some of you, but I find it fascinating and hey, it's my podcast, so I get to talk about it. The title of today is, Are Bacteria Controlling Your Brain? Now, hopefully that got you a little interested. This is not a plot for some crazy sci-fi picture. This is really a fascinating look at the world of our microbiome. That's M-I-C-R-O-B-I-O-M-E. If you haven't heard that term, you are going to hear it a whole lot with regards to health and wellness over the next uh, several months to years. So hold on to your undies because I'm about to blow your mind. Let's look at some facts first. There are about 10 trillion cells that make up the human body. That's 10 with 3, 6, 9, 12, 13 zeros. You know, that's about 9 million more than the number of hairspray cans Donald Trump uses in a year. So that's a lot of cells. Okay, are you reeling yet? Well, here's the freakazoid fact of the day. This is something you can share at your next dinner party and really, really entertain and totally gross out your guests. The average human has about 100 trillion bacteria living in its cracks and crevices. And for those of you who went to public government schools, that's about 10 times the number of human cells. 100 trillion. 10 trillion cells that make up your body but a hundred trillion bacteria living on you and in you. That means that there's 10 times more bacteria, DNA, interacting with you than your own DNA. Hmm, that ought to send chills up your leg. Indeed, we may simply be automatons controlled by Staphylococcus aureus. While the situation may not be that dire, there are multiple areas where the human microbiome does exert an amazing influence on who we are and what we do and what happens to us. And I don't think Dr. Evil has trained any of the little buggers yet to make us hack into Putin's mistress's emails, but that may be in the future. I'm sure if it's possible, the CIA is already working on it. The most obvious and profound impact that we know about has to do with our gut bacteria. In fact, estimates say almost 60 to 70 percent of the bacteria in our system is in our intestines. It's been well established that certain strains of microbes 
can make you more likely to be chubby, lead to you being overweight. For example, people who have a preponderance of a bacterial group called firmicutes, if there's an abundance of firmicutes in your gut, you tend to be heavier than corresponding individuals who don't have a preponderance of that particular type of bacteria. Why does that happen? I'm glad you asked because it's really pretty fascinating uh, in a kind of nerdy kind of way. These particular types of bacteria are better at breaking down certain carbohydrates. And how many times have I said over the last uh, episodes that carbohydrates, when it comes to body fat, are the bad guys? Well, certain bacteria are more adept at taking the carbohydrates in, oh, let's say french fries, and extracting their calories. If these bacteria are in your gut, you're going to get more energy, whether it's in the sugar or the fat, from that french fry in your system than if you don't have those bacteria in your gut. What you might normally poop out now gets absorbed into the bloodstream and eventually becomes those love handles. Also, these little jobbers can stimulate inflammation. There's the buzzword for the year. And this inflammation also stimulates fat deposition as well as directing certain enzymes to be activated that also lay down fat like a buzzsaw puts out wood planks. It's a whole interactive system that works towards preserving energy which basically means storing fat. And it's triggered by these bacteria. I'm sure when you go back into the evolutionary development, there was a reasonable, at the time, need for a preponderance of these bacteria. But like a lot of things in our modern culture, they've probably outgrown their utility and we just haven't had uh, the time to alter that like, uh, like our ancestors. Now here's what's really disturbing. Some of these little bacteria will excrete substances that directly go to an area in the brain called the hypothalamus and can actually trigger hunger. Wow, now does that make you sit back? Bacteria in your gut can actually secrete substances that literally go into your bloodstream, find their way into your brain, and trigger the centers in the brain that are responsible for making you hungry. Talk about mind control. Are you born with these little masterminds in your gut? No. Nope. Most of us accumulate these little guys from eating certain types of food, quite honestly, very, very early in our life cycle, meaning as babies. There is some evidence that breastfeeding babies actually will accumulate most of their gut bacteria from the mother. So the microbiome of the mother can be quite similar to the microbiome of the baby. And it makes sense because that's where their baby is first exposed to a lot of that bacteria. Uh, in fact, uh, there are good studies that show that there is a similarity among the microbiome in people in families 
However, there are some scientists who have are so adept at identifying the different strains of bacteria in a person's microbiome that they claim that it's as effective as fingerprints in identifying a particular individual. So it can get very specific, but it also tends to be clustered around families will have similar microbiomes, uh, regions of the country actually have similar microbiomes, and it, and it makes sense when you think about foods and cultural habits, all the things that can influence that. As I mentioned, food can play a role. People who eat diets that are high in processed carbs, sugars, and Twinkies, that can create an environment that certain bacteria will proliferate, and the bacteria that tend to proliferate tend to be the bacteria that we talked about that can extract more energy from these. So thereby placing more energy in your gut, getting into the bloodstream, eventually making its way into your thighs. So it, it, it becomes somewhat of a vicious cycle. Another fascinating influence of the microbiome has to do with breast cancer. In a newly published study, Cleveland Clinic researchers have uncovered differences in the bacterial composition of breast tissue of healthy women versus women with breast cancer. The research team has discovered for the first time that healthy breast tissue contains a greater percentage of the bacterial species methylobacterium, and this finding could offer a new perspective in the battle against breast cancer. Now, I think it's very important at this point to clarify what I just said. These researchers are not saying that bacteria cause cancer. They're merely stating that there is an association. And remember, boys and girls, association doesn't mean causation. For example, if every day for lunch I eat peanut butter and jelly, and then a year from now I develop pancreatic cancer, well, it would be somewhat erroneous to say that eating peanut butter and jelly causes pancreatic cancer. There's no way to show the pathway from one to the other, but it would be legitimate to say, based on the statistics, it is associated with it. So there's a big difference between association and causation. So in other words, these researchers are hoping to identify ways of detecting potential cancers or scenarios where cancers can develop and possibly even prevent cancers by altering the microbial content of the breast tissue. Now that is decades away from happening, but it's just one illustration of how the microbiome is affecting things like breast cancer. It's like the bacteria kind of hook up with the potential cancer cells so if there's a way we could target those bacteria, we may be able to, to either identify or prevent the cancer from developing very early. There's also some fascinating studies done on animals with regards going back to the weight gain scenario where they would take the microbiome from obese rats and inject it into skinny rats and not change their diet and over a short period of time the skinny rats would actually become obese. 
thus illustrating that the weight gain is a lot more complex than we really first knew about and it continues to be. Now if you're interested in this whole idea of microbiome and and hopefully you are because truly it is going to be something that I think will along with the human genome and genomics will really alter medicine in the future not only in ways of treating disease but from a prevention standpoint ways of living longer and healthier by being able to manipulate your microbiome if you're interested one of the best books I've read on this is a book called I Contain Multitudes that's kind of a freaky title but it's it's true when you talk about all the bacteria in the book it's written by a fellow named Ed Young that's spelled Y-O-N-G and I don't do this very often but I want to read a little bit about this book just to give you some idea of what's the importance of the microbiome. For most of us and for most of human existence, microbes were hidden, visible only through the illnesses they caused. When they finally surfaced in biological studies, they were just cast out as rogues. Only recently and literally in the last 50 years have they immigrated from the neglected fringes of biology to its center. Even today, many people think of microbes as germs to be eradicated, but those that live with us, the microbiome, are invaluable parts of our lives. This book lets us peer into the world for the first time, allowing us to see how ubiquitous and vital microbes are. They sculpt our organs, they defend us from disease, they break down our food, they educate our immune system, they guide our behavior, they bombard our genomes with their genes, and they grant us incredible abilities. While much of the prevailing discussion around the microbiome is focused on its implications for health, the author broadens his focus to the entire animal kingdom, giving a grander view of life. So the bottom line is, this is a new area, really new when you consider medicine and, and uh, all the advances in how slow sometimes things happen. Literally in the last 10 or 15 years, we've come an amazing distance already in determining the impact that this microbiome has on our health and wellness. So I'd encourage you to learn a little bit more about this, to see how it, its uh, practical application even today is possible. Well, that's all I got for this, this podcast. Thanks for listening, and as always, Make healthy choices. Thank you for listening to the Women's Online Wellness Podcast. To join the conversation, access show notes, and discover bonus content, join our private Facebook community by sending a request to Women's Online Wellness. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more, just head over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a review. For questions about the podcast or to get more information, Email Dr. Eaker at R-E-A-K-E-R at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening, and until next time, choose to be healthy.